The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, Ohio, this is Nick Maxson from Bruise with Dudes, and you are about to embark on the Journey into Comics Best of the Week show, featuring highlights from all episodes on the network this week. So go ahead and sit back, crack open a tasty brew, and enjoy. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics. And right out of the gate, we're going to do a big movie fight. Essentially, the game is <laughs> okay. going it, to—it's going to go, go real simple right and to the it. point. We're not messing around fight. today. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to let you guys fight. So the way it works is this: you guys are each going to present me an argument or your opening statement for what movie you think was the best movie of 2018 so far. Each of you will have two to three minutes. When I call time, cut it off. So make it concise and very to the point. Everybody will have an opportunity to counter argue each person on the panel's thing, okay? So get ready to battle. Right out of the gate, we're going to start with Dick. And you're movie, mediating, right? And I'm going to mediate, so I have okay. no opinion in this. They're going to mediate, too. They'll be voting. Are you going to be like the fact checker? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll be the stats checker. That's cool, yeah. Okay, um, okay so let's go with Dick first. Movie right. of the year. Movie of the so year. Far. Thus far. Downsizing. Downsizing? I'm kidding. It's not downsizing. Okay, well, I was I was totally <laughs> shocked at that. Um, <laughs> I almost punched you in the face. Oh, it, it, it was such a weird movie. Like it started Matt out, Damon. it started out strong-ish, and then it got weird, and then it got weird-ish, and then it kind of finished off strong. But you just don't know where that movie's going ever. Um, but no, uh, I'm gonna go with Infinity War. Infinity War. Ooh, I'm Avengers, sure a lot of people Infinity here have War. seen Infinity War. Uh, any major reason right um, out the gate? Because the movie had it all. I mean, to, to begin with, just to begin with, this is a movie 10 years in the making. This is the culmination of 10 years worth of sometimes three movies a year. I feel like a podcast host on the network said exactly that at one point, pointing at myself here. Because it is. It's, We've it's all said that, it. It's that We've culmination of everything. So Infinity War is your pick hands down. Yeah. All right. Veronica, you're up next. When do we get to like counter that? Like at oh, the end? Oh, in a minute or? after everybody okay. talks about so what they picked. So we got Infinity first. War so far on the list. Okay. Well, I didn't really think that there was too many contenders for like best movies of 2018. It's still pretty early in the year. Um, honestly, I haven't really had any opportunity to see movies that weren't affiliated with comic books or superheroes. Uh, you know, but I am. I'm gonna go with. Regardless of that, I'm going to go with Black Panther. Oh, Black Panther, okay. I think that that was a really well-done movie, and it made a ton of money. It was a feel-good movie. Like, you left the movie theater feeling like you just watched a great movie, and um, it, had, it had, like, everything, you know? It, it was cool. And I, Black Panther is always one of my favorite comic book characters, and I, I just love the story of it. Okay, excellent. I love that second argument. Nick? I have to pick something different. Yeah. Every, I guess... Because uh, he was going to pick I, Infinity I, War. I was going to pick Infinity War, but for the sake of argument, here we go. I will go ahead and just pick Solo then. Okay. Which I know most people won't agree with. I liked the movie. I really did too. I don't understand why it got so much hate. Um, I, I, there are points. I mean, obviously there are points, but I'm just one of those people who a movie is supposed to be an escape you Something know? that you enjoy, yes. absolutely. And the fact that, that, like, yeah, obviously we, we dedicate time to critiquing movies and stuff, but it's like you forget the fact that it's just a story. It's a fun story. It's, you know, 
I'm one of those people that we, we, you know, we just said that sometimes you were getting two or three Marvel movies a year. We could start doing that with Star Wars now and do it till I die, and I'm never, ever going to get sick of it, and I'll go see every one. Well, if, Thank you. If the yes. rumor is true and Kevin Feige gets the uh, control of Star Wars next, get it's possible. On it. Get on That's it. a very big rumor. I haven't heard been, that Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You guys like will be hearing that about rumor. that. Well, it, it just goes along with what I've been saying the last couple months about Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. No one is happy with her, so. No. And they need to. Okay. Well, uh, last point before sure, we move sure, on sure, to sure. is, I think they need to take the approach that Marvel did and get a variety of directors and let people do their own thing. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I agree. We yeah. as fans need to let them do their own thing and not be like, "Oh my God, Luke has to be one certain type." Oh my God, we're gonna reshoot the movie that's already done. We're yeah. not talking about that today, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> What's your pick for movie of 2018 so far? Out of all the great movies that I've seen this year, and, and Nick, Nick touched on it a little bit. For me, going to the movies is, is an experience. I'm going to escape reality, to enjoy just a fun story. And, you know, I always talk about the, the $80 we spend on concessions. If I can spend $10 on a movie ticket and justify that $10, then that movie is a great movie to me. And there was no movie that I've seen this year so far that topped that other than Deadpool 2. Ooh, Deadpool 2. Deadpool great choice. Two. It was, that was a good one. fun. It was engaging. It touched on emotions with a character that's normally just slap happy and sarcasm and... Too much in your face. Too much in your face all the time. It actually brought some emotion to that character, which, you know, throughout that character's history is either really, really deep or really, really shallow. Um, well said, yeah. They, you know, I loved Infinity War, but Deadpool freaking nailed it for me. Okay. So Deadpool, Infinity War, Solo, and Black Panther are the four movies of 2018. According to you guys, now we're going to really duke it out in battle. We're going to start with Tyler. Who do you want to take down and defend that Deadpool is better against first? I'm going to go with uh, Veronica and Black Panther. Ooh. See, I feel like I'm already going to, like concede because <laughs> I kind of forgot that I love Deadpool too. I didn't think that it was as good as the first one. I thought, you know, uh, the first one, it, it's always like that with these franchises and these sequels. Like the first one is always where it's at, you know, but I liked where they went with it. I thought it was, um, man, now I'm just defending your fucking, your movie. See, okay, so me personally, part of the reason why I enjoyed See, Deadpool, I'm not good at this, Nate. <laughs> Deadpool 2 so much is I didn't think that they could top the first one. And, and I don't think they did, did that they did. I think they did. In my opinion, they did. That movie is a lot more entertaining from start to finish. There is never a dull mo- moment in that film to me. Um, Black Panther, with all the money that it made and, and everything that it did with the political and social climate, I mean, it's a great film, don't get me wrong, but the cinematography was terrible. When you're when you have what 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 was you argued the CGI was awful. It was in the movie. awful. The it was totally awful. We are, should not. Are. It is 2018. We should not be having shoddy CGI. Blurry in these rhinos. Films. Not when you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars right. to make well, the no. movie. Nate, do you remember? That's a good you point. and I have talked about it a little bit. Do you sure. remember what the budget of Black Panther was? Oh God, it was like 150 million. I think 150 was 175 the right number. So let me check that. You have you oh, have a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, and half of the time that the main character of the movie is on screen, it's nothing but blur. If he is moving, it is blur, and okay. I, I I can't I can't accept that. Okay. Now I will say this: Killmonger is one of the best villains thus far in the in the MCU. Um, 
I did not like Michael B. Jordan's performance as Killmonger, and that's part of the reason why I didn't enjoy the movie as much as I would have. Mm-hmm. He was just too over the top, trying too hard all the time to be. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. I mean, I I just thought that this movie like brought up so many different. Um, different subjects like there was so much to it you know Mm -hmm. it was so many different stories that I thought kind of worked together really beautifully to tell an over you know arcing arching story and I and I would agree with that because there is so much going on in Black Panther but it's very like emotional for a comic book movie all right cut it off (laughs) we're gonna cut it off now the time has stopped us so okay so now, Veronica, who are you going to battle that you think Black Panther is better than? Are you going to take on Nick? You want to take on Dick? How do you want to do this? Okay. Uh, what did you say, Bloom? <laughs> I said Infinity War. Infinity War. Okay. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to battle Nick. Oh. I'm gonna it's an Nick. easy pick. Oh, man. <laughs> I was ready for everyone to fight me. <laughs> I, I feel like Solo could have been so much better i i like i thought the casting was good i loved the chick from game of thrones amelia clark right yeah yeah i thought she was great solo was a good movie i liked it but i don't need to see it again i can wait for it to come out on netflix you know and then watch it like when i'm about to fall asleep or something like i enjoyed it it was a good star wars story but that's you know it was poor marketing you know it was disappointing box office clearly black panther was the more successful movie um, well, the thing is, I'll, I'll retort the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the flop comment. Um, I think if you're comparing it to the last movie that came out of Disney, Infinity War, it's kind of hard. It, it, I can see where you're coming from. It's nearly impossible. But when you look at it in terms apples. of any other movie that's not a Disney movie, it did not flop at all. Correct. It, it's like, oh, it flopped. Like, yeah, it only made three, four hundred million dollars. It only made that much. Uh, I think it just made two hundred and two globally. Glo- really? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's really? Anyway, anyway. <laughs> just to back it. And to, and to I'll back give you a up shovel Black for this Panther, hole you're digging. Two hundred million dollars. Right okay. We were just shy of that. Thank you. Um, um, continue. I, I, uh, Okay, I will, I will agree before I start disagreeing. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that the marketing was terrible. Okay. I did not like the way that they marketed it at all. Um, Huge miss on the Solo Cups. They could have changed them yellow and had like an actual like Millennium Falcon on the Solo Cup, you know? Holy shit. It How did been, they not think of that? I don't that? know. All I'm they did was. To, I'm sorry. I'll keep it PG. There's children. Why, why didn't we market that? I don't know because we don't. We're not they, the head they had of marketing. An entire market in the Midwest just for solo cups. They really did. All the beer pong games that could have been had with solo on the cup. The I feel Toby like Keith another fans. thing with solo God that damn. happened was the release date. Oh yes, yeah, so close to the other two movies. It is hard to. Okay, guys. It was a really great movie. It was a fun ride. Based on just the, the movie terrible itself. Terrible timing. Yeah, absolutely. Terrible timing. Uh, mixed with the... Uh, I think there was also backlash from people being upset at uh, The Last Jedi. Absolutely. Uh, just not doing what they and wanted Rogue Disney One. to do. So they're like, yeah. let's boycott Solo so they don't do what we don't want them to anymore. And that, that Thanos meme perfectly summed it up. Did you see that one where it said... Uh, did you boycott Solo? It's like, yes. It's like, <laughs> what did it cost you? Everything. Everything. Oh, my like, God, yes, I love it. Like, yeah, like, now we're not going to get anything fun. And I think I'm disagreeing. I'm going to agree with her the whole time now. <laughs> but, like, like uh, you, there were so many, like, everybody, when they first talked about doing new Star Wars movies, everyone screamed, like, Obi-Wan or, or Vader. And they're like, Han Solo. And you're like, uh... uh 
Okay. Just so shortly after they had taken, uh, spoiler alert, shortly after they had just killed Solo from the franchise and Harrison right. Ford's too not soon, tied guys. to it Maybe anymore. they think that that's their thing. It's like, we killed him off, but now we're going to give you some more. It's like, okay, but what about every other character that we actually care about more? I think part of what hurt Solo up until it released, along with the bad marketing, was we as fans had heard so much about how bad Alden Ehrenreich was mm-hmm. as an actor. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was never the case. It was just his interaction with the directors that they had. Once Ron Howard took over and, and reshot everything, everything that Ron has said about Alden Ehrenreich is he's fantastic. He has all the ability in the world. It, it felt like it was a concerted effort to, to make it appear as though it was going to be a bad movie. Not from you know, obviously not from Disney's perspective, yep. right, but every press. single person that wasn't affiliated with Disney was crapping on it months before it even came out. Yep. There was all the rumors and conjectures of like this mm-hmm. movie's definitely going to bomb at the box office before we had even gotten like more than the first trailer. I think exactly, and so. I think they put out too much even. Like I felt like I felt like every week for a while you were seeing new clips. It's like I have now seen thirty minutes of the movie. Right. Totally. Before so I we all agree, it. Solo is not the best movie of twenty eighteen. <laughs> Nick is gonna say that it, that every single thing surrounding the movie was bad, except the movie itself. The Which movie was itself yeah. was awesome. Good Packed call. with action, great cameo appearance at the end of the movie. There, the I mean, even better than. This is years old, but even the better Rogue than Vader one. making an appearance in Rogue One. Absolutely. The cameo at the end of it was like, <gasps> so yeah, there he is. I, I don't are know we how doing many this again? Kid, I don't want to spoil it. I don't know how many young like. kids are here, but I definitely went, oh, fuck. As yeah. soon as I saw him on screen, like loudly in the theater, and then everybody oh, kind of like goodness. looked back and me like, this guy. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't mean to. Like, he's my favorite. Like, come on now. <sighs> All right, Dick, it's your turn. This is tough. Versus and, everybody. And this wouldn't be an episode of... JIC without a really quick tangent. I really want that Teddy Roosevelt cut out, cut out back there. Oh my it. God, it's awesome! I don't know if you're <laughs> I worthy. Saw that. Of it. I want it. Ooh. Regardless, <laughs> is my mic even anyways, picked up? Yeah. Um, okay. it, this is hard to pick because I loved all of these movies up here. But I, I mean, it, are we allowed to? Are we allowed to attack someone that's already been attacked? Because yeah. I think yeah. Black Panther yeah. is definitely the worst of them up here. You do what? Whoa. I kind of I, I kind of so. agree. <laughs> You agree? <laughs> After reassessing my opinion and you know hearing the, the it, arguments, it's, it's weird. I've been converted. It, it's weird to attack it because you know I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't the movie I wanted it to be, though. So, I mean, that that it's just personal, I guess. I mean, it did have a lot going on. It, it had a lot going on because you had to introduce all these side characters. You had to introduce Wakanda as a, Wakanda itself was a character. Right. Absolutely. Right. And it had been teased for so long. I will jump in and say one positive thing about Black Panther is they did a fantastic job with Wakanda. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they could have, that anyone could have ever done a better job of portraying Wakanda the way that it was because it was perfect. And I I thought the casting was perfect too. Uh, I didn't like Claw. I thought he was a little over top. Then, given I don't know his character in the comics. And you didn't remember him from Age of Ultron. I remember him from Age of okay, Ultron. Okay, 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 good. Uh, but I, I wasn't, a, and I wasn't a fan of how long he lasted. He, Fair enough. He was, I he mean, was fodder in that movie. From the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is the Paul Report with your host Andrew Paul. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 47 of the Poor Report. 47. 
just three away from that magic number of 50, which is exciting because I never thought I'd be doing something for 50 episodes. So here we are, almost a year later. So yeah, it would line up, 52, yeah, so 47. And what I want to talk about today involves a lot of what's going on in the current events, which involves Donald Trump and his recent trip abroad. Now, I know what you're thinking. I wonder what Trump's going to do when he's not in the safe bubble of the United States. And it's basically the same thing he does now. It's just now he's on a bigger plane on a different continent and just doing Trump things. But before I get into Trump's trip, there's something I want to talk about that was recommended to me by the podfather himself, which is Nate Phillips, which is regarding... Mueller's recent indictment of a lot of Russian agents. So this is an article, and I actually made sure for this episode to have no more of the same news sites, no more than a repeat in the same news site. So all the articles I'm talking about today are each from a different news source. So it's not like all Washington Post, not all CNN, it's not all Fox News, it's not. It's a little bit of everything. And they're all kind of run the same thing, so you're getting a more balanced profile from me. Sometimes it's just what easier to find is some of the stuff that comes up on Huffington Post or CNN or stuff like that. But I tried to make sure it was nice and balanced for this episode just to make sure I'm not coming off biased in my show here. So jumping in, this is actually an article from Slate, and this is Mueller's latest indictment suggests Russia's infiltration of U.S. election systems could get worse. With the 2018 midterms looming, we need to prepare for an even more damaging attack. Much of the analysis following Special Counsel Robert Mueller's Friday indictment of 12 Russian intelligence officers is focused on their alleged conspiracy to hack into Clinton campaign and Democratic Party computers and email systems during the 2016 election, and on questions about coordination between then-candidate Donald Trump's campaign and the Russian infiltrators. But the indictment also included new revelations about the extent of Russia's attacks on our election systems in 2016, and those details provide a warning that we need to get serious about preparing for an even more damaging attack in this year's midterms. The latest indictment alleges that Russia's intelligence officers hacked into the website of a yet unidentified state board of elections. Among other news information, alleges Russia used that hack to steal information related to 500,000 voters. That figure surprised. We already know that hackers targeted election systems in 21 states and allegedly hacked into the computer of a private U.S. election systems vendor. The indictment did not name the vendor, but details seemed to match a reported hack of the company's VR systems. VR systems has denied any breaches had occurred, but thus far officials have confirmed that databases from the Illinois election system had ever actually been compromised. What's more, reports previously indicated that records of only about 100,000 voters had been accessed in the Illinois breach. That means... The reach of Russia's infiltration of election systems likely went deeper than we'd understood. Perhaps most importantly, as Wired's Kim Zetter identifies, that indictments suggest that Russians' attack against U.S. election infrastructure may have been an afterthought. The indictment puts the research and execution of the State Board of Elections and vendor attacks in June through October of 2016, well into the election months after the initial hack of the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign. As she notes, we would have been wise to assume future attacks will involve more advanced planning. Combine this with the fact that the Russian undoubtedly learned information from their 2016 efforts, and there is reason to believe future attacks on our election infrastructure could be far more damaging. The good news is that many officials tasked with protecting our election infrastructure take this threat seriously. Election officials, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Federal Election Assistance Commission have all been working diligently to ensure that they catch and prevent future attempts to breach election infrastructure. 
Congress has provided states with $380 million to increase election system security. A new government coordinating council now allows the federal government and local election officials to share information like never before, and many states have made serious investments in new security. This is critical work, but it's not enough. The truth is we can never have 100% unhackable elections. If Russian intelligence agencies or other foreign powers have decided they want to make a concerted effort to attack our elections, they will at some point be successful. The single most important thing states and counties can do in the next few months is to ensure that every polling place in the country has contingency plans in place to deal with a successful breach. That means ensuring that, in spite of a successful attack, people can vote on election day, and we have a way of ensuring all those votes will eventually be counted accurately. To start, it's worth focusing on three critical election systems that cyber attacks cyber attackers are most likely to target. And look at some of those actions that local jurisdictions should take to detect and recover from successful attacks against them. Electronic poll books. 32 states use e-poll books used in the form of mobile computers or tablets that allow poll workers to digitally look up voters' registration information instead of manually searching through paper lists of names. Most e-poll books come equipped with technology that allows them to communicate with at minimum nearby e-poll book units in the same polling location to share real-time voter check-in information. E-poll books may communicate this information over wired or wireless network connections, but e-poll books that communicate over wireless networks present unique security challenges because unlike a wired network, a wireless network can be monitored and attacked from a distance. While the indictment doesn't allege that e-poll books were hacked in the 2016 election, there are reason to believe that they could be an enticing target for hackers if a jurisdiction is unprepared for e-poll book failures. Voters could be told they are not registered or forced to wait for hours to vote while election officials scramble to fix the e-poll books or error locate and print paper backups. For jurisdictions using this technology, there are two important steps to take to curtail potential hack. First, they should limit or eliminate wireless connectivity issues, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth to decrease the risk of a successful attack. Second, election officials should ensure that every polling place uses e-poll books on election day also has backup printed paper poll books on hand in the event of a real or suspected e-poll book failure. Something that's not just helpful in the case of a hack, but also the run-of-the-mill software and device glitches. Currently only 17 states of the 32 states using e-poll books require paper backup poll books on election day. I have never seen an electronic or an e-poll book. I have always gone to a place where there's a paper thing that look up at my information, check it off on a sheet of paper, give me my ballot, send me over to a place to vote and all that stuff and then send me on my merry way i've never seen e-poll books so that's a little interesting to me another thing is voter registration systems the voter registration system maintains the official list of registered voters including individuals names phone numbers addresses district assignment information and in some states political party affiliation Mueller's indictment confirmed that voter registration systems were indeed a target of the russians in 2016 though the only substantial successful hack we know of involved stealing basic voters of a social security number in the case of illinois Lovely, more Illinois stuff. Great to live in that state. But other types of breaches could present potential nightmare scenarios. Imagine hackers could somehow delete or change voter registration informations. So voters would show up at the polls only to find their names missing or registered to the wrong precinct. Or nimble, hackles, or nimble hackers might make it impossible for election officials to access certain voter files when it comes time to create new poll books. To ensure such attacks would not disrupt any election... Officials download an electronic copy of the voter information on a daily basis that will allow them to reconstruct a list should they discover a hack and to access a list if the official debate, official database becomes unavailable at any point. It looks like Nate is blowing up Facebook right now, which is definitely making pop-ups and vibrates on my phone. Officials should also ensure that every polling places enough provisional ballots to last through at least two hours of peak voting time so that if necessary, 
They can print and deliver more as needed without forcing voters to wait. Federal law requires that polling places provide provisional ballots which allow an individual to record a vote even in the event poll workers can't find the individual's names on a registration list. These paper ballots are only counted if election officials can later confirm that the individual was eligible to vote at the polling place. In the event of a hack, provisional ballots would ensure that individuals are able to cast a ballot while providing election officials additional time to determine eligibility using backup lists. Voting machines. There are no allegations in the Mueller indictment that Russia targeted voting machines in the 2016 election. Nevertheless, this is obviously a critical system to prevent tech from cyber attacks. There are many steps jurisdictions should take be taken to ensure that hackers cannot reach voting machines in a way that impact the integrity of the election. Among those, conducting pre-election logic and actually testing for every machine, that is akin to running a mini-election on each machine before it's put to use to ensure each machine is counting votes accurately. After the election is over, but before results are certified, jurisdictions should also conduct post-election audits for polling places in about two-thirds of the country. This means comparing a manual count of the paper ballots voters cast to the tally generated by the digital scanners that most of these jurisdictions employ to read said paper ballot. For polling places that use direct recording electronic voting machines, which allow individuals to log votes by manually touching a screen, monitor, or other device, this means assuring these machines include voter verified paper audit trails. These paper printouts provide a permanent record of the votes cast by the individual and give voters the opportunity to review a paper record of their choices before casting their ballots. Unfortunately, 13 states are still using some, at least some direct recording electronic voting machines that have no paper trail as their primary polling place equipment, making audits in these states impossible. These machines should be replaced as soon as possible. Come November, it is also critical for any states using any kind of electronic voting machine to have emergency paper ballots that can be deployed immediately in case machines break down. Whether that breakdown is caused by a system failure or a hack. All these steps discussed above are critical not just to detect and recover from a hack against our election infrastructure, but to instill greater public confidence in our election systems more generally. As of now, it doesn't look like Russians altered or erased any voter registrations, meddled with any polling place or changed any voters in the 2016 elections, but they were also after another central goal to cast doubt on the integrity of American democratic systems and institutions, regardless of their ability to successfully hack election systems in the future. We still need to know, keep wary of the discord, even suspicion of such sabotage can sow. Election officials who adopt strong contingency plans and make those plans known to their voters can also reassure citizens that regardless of what threats we face, voters will be able to cast ballots that will actually be counted. To be sure, the 2018 midterms could go off without a hitch, but instead of wishful thinking, states and counties need to hope for the best but prepare for the worst. Definitely agree that definitely be mindful and there should always be a safeguard in place to prevent something like this from happening. And kind of taking this to a movie, which is something I tend to do sometimes when I discuss an article, if you've seen the movie Man of the Year, it involves uh, computer glitches in the voting machines causing the wrong person to get tallied due to an algorithm inside the code that registers a vote by the number of letters in their name and not by the actual votes cast for them. So that was something interesting and definitely encouraging that movie. It's one of Robin Williams' better, more recent films. So definitely check that out. I think Jeff Goldblum's in it as well, which is always a good vote in favor. Now moving on from this Russian election hacking and all of that to more Russian-related items, and that involves Trump's trip abroad. And while before I get into that... You might notice that my voice sounds a little different. I'm recording from my home, finally. Um, not in my office yet. The office is still kind of full of boxes and under a little disarray. And it was currently housing the cats until about a day ago. So, need a little bit of upkeep before I record from there. But we'll see. Hopefully, the next couple of weeks, that'll be resolved and we'll be moving forward. 
house is still very much under construction. I'm looking at stuff I need to drywall and stuff I need to paint and all that fun stuff. So, but that's not what you're here listening to this episode. That's more for my other show, which is Adulting Ain't Easy, which is something that involves a lot of what's going on in my life right now. But we'll get more into that on Wednesday. But jumping from one article to another, this is from USA Today, and that involves the Queen Abortion Putin in Protest, highlights of Trump's interview with Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan's 6,000-word account of his interview with President Donald Trump hit newsstands in the United Kingdom Sunday morning, but it's not until the 68th paragraph that Morgan gets around to quoting the president. It's good to see you, Pierce, he said. The 30-minute interview in the Daily Mail produced a multitude of Trumpisms, or as Morgan himself put it, lengthy Morgan's story is filled with small talk asides and descriptions of Air Force One swivel chairs, but Trump did address a broad range of subjects in the interview, which also be broadcast on British television on Monday. Some highlights. On Roe vs. Wade, Trump said he understands why women would be concerned about whether Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh would be the deciding vote on whether to overturn Roe v. Wade, the 45-year-old decision legalizing abortion. I do understand, but I also understand that you know that's a 50-50 question in this country, he said. But he also insists there's a very good chance that the issue won't come up during his tenure on the court. Really? I don't know. Someday in the distant future, there could be a vote. A case has to get up there. It could be a long time before this case ever gets up there. Okay. On meeting Queen Elizabeth II, Trump had already heaped praise on the 92-year-old monarch in another tabloid before the meeting, but he said... The Windsor Castle tea lived up to expectations. It was very easy talk, he said. We had a great, a great feeling. On the topic of conversation, Brexit, the process for the United Kingdom to leave the European Union. She said it's a very, and she's right, it's a very complex problem. I think nobody had any idea how complex that was going to be, he said. Trump told me to sue the EU over Brexit. Oh, sorry, that's a different article. Uh, Press for details, Trump demurred citing royal protocol. You know, just don't talk about the conversation with the queen, right? He said, let me tell you what I can talk about. She's an incredible woman. She is so sharp. She is so beautiful. It's always about looks with him. That's something I can't quite figured out. On his upcoming summit with Russia's Vladimir Putin, which I'll definitely talk about later, Trump said the Russian president is probably a ruthless person, but I could name others also. Okay. He repeated his position that better relations with Russia would be good for the United States. I think we could probably get along very well. Somebody said, are you friends or enemies? I said, well, it's truly to say, but right now I think... I say we're competitors. On family separation at the border, Trump insisted that he didn't start the policy of separating children from their parents after crossing the border. That wasn't my policy, he interrupted. Obama had the same exact policy. In fact, they were showing pictures of kids separate from their parents, and they say, isn't this terrible? And it was pictures of 2014. Fact check. False. The pictures of children during the Obama administration were almost all unaccompanied minors, immigrant children who crossed the border without an adult. Trump's new zero-tolerance policy calls for parents suspected of crossing the border illegally to face criminal charges which has required border agents to separate them from their children. Despite his executive order seeking to end separations, Trump defended the practice as a deterrent. Well, all I did was go by the law, he said. Well, you know the parents are put in jail, essentially. You know they came in illegally. Now when people come in illegally, they have their kids. There are consequences to that, but I still don't like the idea of separation. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Adulting Ain't Easy, a podcast that tackles all the topics that makes adulting so hard. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined, as always, by my fiance Liz. Hello. 
Hello. It's been a hell of a week so far, and it's only Tuesday is the time we're recording this. Yep. And this is actually the first time we're recording in our house, which is very exciting. Yeah, in our living room. In our living room, because we don't quite have the office set. The office was a cat room, and it's a storage room, and it's all these things right now that's not an office. Because Andrew's still unpacking, but he can't unpack until rooms are done, which is kind of our topic, home improvement. Yes. So... One pro- at least right now, one project can't be complete until another project. It's just kind of like a, what's it called? Like a domino effect. Yeah, everything's kind of, because like, everything, because I moved out of my apartment last week. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So I've been living here, this is the beginning of my second full week living here. Yeah, that was a hell of a thing. Right, so all my stuff that was packed and organized is now kind of where it's supposed to go to an extent like the big furniture is in place but like we're still in a place where the walls still have, need some walls still need to be drywalled some walls still need to be primed and painted everything's still kind of rough and not where it's going to be the only thing that's kind of set is the kitchen and the kitchen still needs to be painted so it's just been a lot of this that and the other and since and we've had a lot of family help we've had a lot of going on we've had like exterior stuff change of the house we've had interior stuff change lighting electrical plumbing landscaping all of this stuff that's happened yeah i feel like when we first like had the house like when we started working on it i mean i feel like we started a bunch of different projects at once and now we're kind of like starting to maybe finish some of those little projects i mean cuz we first started with the front um, we had these giant weeds, just like, it was, this person, the people who had the house before us were very, like, green, had a green thumb, and, you know, could keep up and tend the guard like a planting bed, but as these people got older, and, um, you know, one of them passed away, because it was a couple, they kind of let it go to weeds, so it was very hard for us, because we're, I mean, we like plants and stuff, but I wouldn't say we would like going out and gardening every weekend, but, so we wanted, we had to make that more manageable for us. So we ripped out a bunch of weeds, we got some sod put down, we finally got, we got our tree in the front taken down, and then we finally, this past weekend, got the stump taken out, so now that's ready to be sodded over, and then we'll kind of have, I think the front yard is probably the closest to looking the way we want it to look. Yeah, I would say so. And then we got a we still have a lot to tackle in the back and the side yard on the exterior front, but it's all kind of coming together. And I think the big structural things inside the house are pretty well set now. Yeah, we made an enter or we made a opening. We did. The one that was interesting about our house is it kind of had two living spaces that are about of equal size. One of them had a, has a nice bay window. The other room had a f- sliding glass door and a fireplace. And it's just weird. They had two spaces that you really couldn't get to. You just had to kind of walk around past the din- or past the dining room and then go into the other room. So we opened that wall up a fair amount and made a nice little pass through that really, I feel like, changed the whole look of the house. It made yeah. it a lot... You can get a lot more light in both rooms because of the sliding door and the bay window. You can see the fireplace more easily... Once we and ha- the TV, which is like the most important thing. I know I cannot wait to put my big TV up. I'm I'm stuck with my little TV sitting on top of a bookcase in the on in front of the fireplace because the walls needs to be primed and painted and 
get the wall mount up and then put the big TV on the wall and then I could sit in the living room the other end of the room about 20 feet away and still get a nice view of the TV. Yeah, I think that's what I've liked the best so far. I mean, trying to get certain things in and kind of visualizing now, like, because before when we didn't have any furniture and stuff, it was hard to be like, oh, was that the right decision for us? Should we have done this? And then now having like the TV up and all that and have the furniture in, I'm like, this is going to be really cool. I'm yeah, going to be really I, excited for it to I be ag- done. I agree. I'm definitely excited to see what's going to look like once everything is exactly where we want it to be. Like we've had little ideas because really before we moved in and it was more of a blank slate and we were started tearing down wallpaper and paneling and taking window coverings down and taking and gutting a bathroom completely. We just, there was so much going on. It was very overwhelming and little things mm-hmm. kept stressing us out. Like my dad was here for a week helping on projects with the week off and I was working like 18 hour days. It felt like getting stuff done and there was just so much, like it felt like it was all this stuff that was behind the scenes. So it didn't look like from the outside that we were accomplishing much, but there was so much stuff on the inside that was being done and yeah mostly electrical and plumbing which you don't really realize what's going on until you open up everything because if we honestly if we wouldn't have opened up any of this we would have had no idea and we probably would have had a ton of problems on like as we were living here right just in terms of like fuses being blown and the whole house having like power going out or something like that or just a complete like our house flooding or stuff like that because they were kind of so big but we didn't realize it until we had to take like a look at everything and these things are like not even the home inspector really noticed like things it he was very the home inspector noticed very surface level things like oh that'd be minor and then like when we're noticing like oh the sump pump really shouldn't be draining where it is that doesn't make sense it should go here and then that solved one big problem we had a major uh, clog in our sewer line that was causing a lot of back pressure that was going to basically destroy the entire plumbing in our house. We didn't get that fixed. So we ended up having to do some major work on that that was very stressful. Mm-hmm. To like every toilet sink, everything had to be fixed. And now I think finally, a few weeks later, we now have, I think, no drain water related issues to worry about knock Knock on on wood wood. knock on wood i don't want to have to deal with another plumber i don't want to have to deal with people under the house because under the house is gross because we have a crawl space so they all the plumbing has to be done in the crawl space and it's disgusting and i mean you haven't really been under there no i just don't (laughs) our basement kind of freaks me out but now it's more well lit it yeah still doesn't make it any difference to me that crawl space is just so big it's big and it's full of cobwebs and just and pea gravel and pea gravel but it's 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 been a work in progress and i've been under there and learning a lot and taking out plumbing and running conduit and doing all this stuff so it's been a real learning experience i feel like i could deal with most issues that would arise in the future but right now i just really want to get this house to where it's done and i don't have to pick up a tool again for a long time mm-hmm. no kidding it kind of, it's kind of funny because you think like um like when you're watching hgtv and like you know you're watching like property brothers or love it or list it and like there's problems coming up you're like oh those are those are fake like that never happens with people everything always goes smoothly and then now kind of looking back at it i'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense because that's exact like 
you have one plan and then you try to accomplish it and then you find out that there's something else wrong i'm like so it's told i totally believe it now that like random things will pop up like oh you have some studs that need to be replaced or oh your plumbing is not up to code so you have to fix all of that i believe it Right. Because that's how our house is turning right. out to be. I feel like for a while it was like if it wasn't one thing, it was like we'd fix one problem and another one would pop up. Like, oh, there's a clog in the utility sink so the dishwasher doesn't drain. Oh, we resolve it. Oh, well, now the dryer's going to go out. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, we finally fixed the, we got rid of the crappy dishwasher and got a new one by sure luck and a nice blessing for us. Oh, it's not going to leak right. Oh, it's actually the line. Oh, it's actually the kink in the hose. Oh, now it's resolved. Oh, you're going to burn your hand in the process. Like, Mm -hmm. we've just had so many setbacks that have been, like, And then then it feels like, I want to, I feel like I could take two months off work and still be busy. Yeah. That's the thing. Especially, home improvement is just very stressful because I've had those moments, like, where I'm, like, after a long day of working, it's like, is it, was it even worth it for us to get this house? Like, I feel like, you know, things would arise and it was just, like, it, it's like, really, again, another thing? And everyone's like, oh, but it's just homeownership, but being in the moment, at, in the moment, like, just like, oh, crap, something else broke, or, oh, crap, we have to do this, and we didn't realize it, and it's just like, seriously? Like, it's just, it's very frustrating, especially when we have, you know, wedding going on and trying to move them in, and then I have to move in because I still haven't moved in. I haven't even packed one dang box. No, like, the only thing you really have here is your overnight bag of toiletries. Yep. And that's really it. Uh Like, it's, yeah, it's, it seemed like for a while it was, yeah, like, what did we get ourselves into? And And it was just like... I know, like, for you, you were, you know, working and then coming right here, and then you had to, you worked until dinner time, and then you had to go home, get stuff ready for the next day, and then it was just a repeat, and then I, since I've moved in, it's just been stuff that I need to work on staring me in the face, I'm like, I really need to do this. Well, it's 9 o'clock at night, and you have to work in the morning. Like, well, I can just spend a couple hours on this, and then I go to bed at 11.30 or midnight, and then I hate myself the next day when I have to get up for work, and it's just, you have to try and not overexert yourself because that's when you start hating it and once you hate it then it's not good then it takes you longer to do things and you put off stuff right but luckily i mean we've gotten really lucky because i have grandparents who are 80 years old mind you that love doing this kind of stuff so they've been a humongous help especially we decided to concentrate on the hall bathroom because that's where we kind of had to tear it apart because the whole subfloor we found through our plumber slash Andrew's dad that it was just like the only thing holding the toilet up was the copper pipe attached to it. And we were like, oh, awesome. So it was like, well, might as well, we have to take up the floor anyway. Might as well start on this bathroom. And Right. Because I think the original plan was to like do a soft remodel of that bathroom. Like we're going to leave we gonna... some of the tile intact. We were going to just paint, put new fixtures and stuff in place and just call that good but then after having to rip out the floor and digging up some of the tile in the showers trying to just made the most sense to like well we're already in here we're already doing 80 percent of a remodel let's just do the other 20 and put new tile around the tub put do tile floor and paint it put all the new stuff in and just call it a day and then we don't have to touch it again for 20 years which will be nice because today we finally well my grandparents and i finally finished the tiling which actually like I actually really enjoyed doing it I it was fun to like 
we kind of had a little assembly line. Like my Oma, which is grandma, my grandma would come in. She would have, she would get the tile and then I would put the mortar on it. And then I would put it on the, if it was a whole tile, I'd just put it right on there and put the spacers on it. And then my grandfather, my Opa, he would go and like, if we needed to cut tile, he would go and cut it and come back and then we would do it. And it was really fun. I don't know. It was kind of like, there was a lot going on, which made the time go quicker. And we did go run into some, I wouldn't say a huge, any huge problems with that. It was just trying to, it's a lot of, when it comes to tiling, it's a lot of figuring as my grandparents say, which is their way of saying a lot of thought has to go into it. And it turned out really nice, I think. I mean, we're not completely done, but right. I mean, we've got the majority of the big tiles on there. And so hopefully by tomorrow we can grout it and be done with the tub and then we can move on to the floor. Yes. Yay. And paint. painting. We'll paint. Because painting's floor. fun. That's paint. my, I'm excited to paint stuff. Right. And then just, and I know one thing, because like, I think like this time last week we were stressing about what tile we wanted in that shower. I remember you were, I think it was about that time last week, we were running to a few different places to try and find a towel, or a, a towel, a tile, and a trim, and something for the uh, cutout box, and the cutout yeah. box and it working out, and there's just... That's, yeah, that's the thing about home improvement, too. You may have one idea, but then when you actually get to implementing that idea, it may not work. Because, right. like, we were trying to find, like, some sort of accent tile that worked with our paint color... And like to put in the shower, but the thing was that the paint color that I was dead set on didn't really have a lot that matched with it. So it was very like I spent like a few nights just trying to find something that matched, and it was just like I could not find anything. So like everything and I was getting was, really frustrated. Yeah, it seemed like everything was like a shade off. Yes. Like it was close, but if you put them both side by side, you'd be like, that just something just is wrong here, or it made the tile look like old or aged and you don't want that or yeah or like like i changed floor tile like i thought i had my floor tile and then i put it you know like some things just look different in the store than they do when you bring them home because in the store i was like oh yeah this is really good i really like this and then all of a sudden i bring it home and i'm like well this is you know and then i'm like we kind of changed our whole tune because we were gonna make it match to a tile that the existing tile that was in there and then once we decided not to just to gut the whole thing then we kind of changed our we had to shift gears and so that's always fun but it's nice because everybody gives you 90 days to figure out if you like it or not as long as you don't put it in anywhere right and you have some issues because like some tile you get it looks good and then you find out like five tiles under that all of the other ones are yes, broken. Yes, that was my issue yesterday. We literally tried to, op we were starting our tiling and we opened some of the boxes and they were, like the first tile was okay, but then it was like one, two, three, four chipped and we're like, well great, that's like half the box. So luckily they were really nice. We're gonna we're fuck gonna, the sodomites in the... What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm being flipped off by Tyler. 
He's back again. Hey. How are I'm you? I'm going to sit like this the entire show. I've I've attempted to do stuff like similar to that. Yeah, but you're not um, like me. I lasted 46 minutes. You're not like me. I know. You've, you're very tenacious. Yeah. How are you? This is episode 46. How are I you? I hate you. I want to oh. stomp your spine in half. You're blocking my shot. Sorry, Clint. I'll put my arm down for you. So, this is Podcast Free, episode 46. I'm Dick, your host. I'm joined. I'm a co-host, Tyler. You don't want none of this shit, do we? <laughs> We're also joined by a special guest, Mr. Clint Chase. How you doing? Hello. My first podcast here. Do you actually warn people about that uh, intro? Because it sounds like it blasts your speakers out. No. No, you just let it go? Yeah, let it go. Okay. Natural selection, only the strong survive. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. I get it. Glad to be on here. I'm glad. I'm glad you're glad, here. We've been t- we, glad to Tyler's, have you finally on yeah, here. Tyler's been talking about you for a while, talking to you. I mean, up. This is my first invite. Uh, no. Your, yeah. No. I haven't talked to you since you started SIA. Yes, you have. Not in person. Not in person, because we both live adult lives. With Happens. Adult things and stuff. I just got two dogs. My... Two boxers <laughs> with snackle teeth. I don't. I don't have the children to wrangle, so. <laughs> so, tell us about yourself, pal. Let's hear it. I want. Well, I want to know about you. Well, I've never been on a podcast before, so this should be interesting. Um, I do have my own YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, I'm used to just. Re- oh, right here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I do have my own YouTube channel where I uh, record my adventures. I do a lot of buying of storage units. Yeah. Um, I go treasure hunting. I scour thrift stores and. I just find interesting things to sell on the eBay. Uh, You're you have a very successful eBay business. I've been doing it for about almost a year now. Um, it's it's very fun. I enjoy it. It's just a hobby, but sometimes it takes over. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw my house, you would see. Yeah, um, I donate like ninety percent of crap I get out of these storage units um, because I just don't have a space for it. And who wants used bowls in their house? Right. Silverware. Somebody else could use that. Do you own guns? Do I own guns? Yeah. Uh, I own a BB gun. Shoot the bulls. Shoot the bulls. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't. Damn, Tyler. <laughs> I used to own guns, um, and then I don't own guns. That's shoot a, that's shoot a, the bulls. That's, that's a my long advice. and short story of it. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not trusted even with a crossbow. Um, there's a story where I had a crossbow for Christmas. One of those little hand crossbows. One of those little hand ones that my brother-in-law got me, and I shot my TV out with it. Oh. And then I was banned from crossbows and uh, guns. By the wife, so oh, it doesn't so really hurt this, me that this, much. So. This happened in your adult life. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you got adult banned like not, two years ago, probably. You, you got adult banned, and not I'm a I'm a kid, and, and now no, like you're, not, now you're an adult and you can do it. No, you this happened post yeah, adulthood. I got wife banned. Even, oh even worse man, yeah. Like this, this fucker texts me like Christmas Day or the day after, and he's like, "Look what I got," and I said. <laughs> That's not a good idea. <laughs> and within like 72 hours, that motherfucker shot his TV out. Hey, I was just trying to load it in the house and play with it. And then it wasn't exactly my fault. It, it was, says on the box that it's not a toy. Uh, it was slippery and it got away from me. That's, what, that's my story. So. That's my excuse. Yeah. Why, why are you taking so long in the shower? Everything's slippery. <laughs> it keeps getting away from me. Yep. <laughs> what are you doing uh, in there? Stuff. <laughs> Things. Things. <laughs> I also teach the youth and old. The youth. At, uh, Ivy Tech. 
I teach two nights a week, usually um, robotics and really anything pertaining to energy. Right on. I graduated in 2016 and I started, I graduated in December 2016 from Ivy Tech and I started teaching in January 2017, not even like 15 days afterward. And uh, it was, I'm still doing that for about two years now. Um, it was really awkward when I first started teaching because I, I graduated and I went back and started teaching the same kids I was in class with. So they had to listen to me. <laughs> it was pretty fun. And then most of my students are usually old factory workers. Okay. And they don't take me very seriously sometimes until I lay the hammer down. So Yeah, that's that's the that's the problem with going to like a community college like Ivy Tech is you get them all you get all ages. Like you get the yeah. people coming back and it's just, like I noticed that a lot when I was there. Uh I was just I was fresh out of high school, so I was still in that like mindset of I gotta listen to the teacher. Unless your teacher's me. A 25-year-old dipshit. I just stay like two chapters ahead. And, you know, it's all good. I, I teach classes I never even, like, took. Oh, wow. So I didn't, I didn't take robotics. I, I went for renewable energy. And I did a lot of industrial uh, maintenance classes. Because back when uh, renewable energy was a thing in Ivy Tech, they didn't have enough classes. Uh, so they just mashed two things together. So I did a lot of industrial technology. And now I teach a lot of industrial technology. But, like, stuff like... Uh, hydraulics and robotics I never took before and they just threw me into it without me knowing oh. anything about it uh, it's pretty interesting so they, I just gotta, they I'm a really good too. bullshitter so I can always stay ahead <laughs> of it but yeah yeah it's pretty fun they, they did a similar thing to me like they didn't tell me that they the major they put me in I signed up for one major they didn't have it so they're just like all right we'll put you over here yeah and I didn't find out until like the first semester was over and I was trying to sign up for my next classes. I'm like, where the fuck's my, where's, where's my curriculum? I'm like, what's what? They're not very good at that. I did all my own when yeah. I was going through and never really had an advisor. Uh, yeah. I didn't go through after my initial like signing up. Like I didn't, I did everything myself and that might've been a mistake because then I started picking classes that I didn't need. I, I, I didn't pick the classes that I really needed to just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, that looks way better than that class. Oh, Nope, fuck, fuck math. Yeah. Fuck math. Yeah. Mm. Fuck math. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the only one in in the room that's currently a college student and fucking I took a math test last week, the first math test, like legitimate math test that I've taken in almost 10 years. And at the end of that test, I realized that I am that I am retarded. That's okay. But so it doesn't help when like you're a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed high school student and you get there and you're like, yeah, I'm going to learn. And then the teachers that are supposed to be teaching you and molding our youth don't give a fuck about what they're doing. Hey. So then somebody like me that's rebellious <laughs> is like, if you don't give a fuck, then I'm not going to give a fuck. So like right now, I'm having to learn for the first time shit that I should have learned 10 years ago because I didn't pay attention because the teacher wasn't actually teaching. You know? Yeah. And I'm one of the older people in my class. This chair is going to... You are struggling so with that chair, chair so gonna much. This chair is going to fucking kill me what, by the end of the show. What classes are you taking in, in the fall, you know? How, what's the curriculum like for your thing? Can, can I... Before you start, can I put out a quick PSA? Sure. Folks, uh, for those watching, for those listening, we have a donate button. If you could donate money so we can get a new chair for tyler that would be great the bottom of your chair is really sharp it just cut me 
And we also need money for uh, foam protection for Tyler's feet, apparently. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I don't wear shoes a lot. I, I I'll get you some bubble wrap. Safety concern item. Yeah, bubble wrap. We need bubble wrap. Are yeah. we gonna Are we gonna have to start becoming like OSHA reportable and shit at the, no. on podcast or feet? No. <laughs> no. Like, but on with the chloroform. So it's, it's like, I take two classes a week. I'm just wondering if I'm going to be your teacher one day. You could be, but I don't... I teach electrical circuits. That's what I taught last time. But I don't know. No. That would be interesting, and it would be very fun. Are you going to be one of those students that does not take him seriously? Is he going to have to lay the hammer down? What the fuck, Tyler? Probably, because... I'll make you come come up front of class, take your pants off. That's fine. I take my pants off a lot anyway. That's my punishment. Yeah. Have you had to do that? That sounds like a reward to me. I got some lawsuits. All right. But uh Skylar says she sat in the chair just fine last week. Yeah, she sat like this with her legs crossed, leaning on the very I sat front like, edge of the chair. I sat like this. Watch. I'm literally just leaning straight back. You're just too big. If I got in that chair, that thing would be <laughs> demolished. Morty, you you lost a lot of weight and where are you now? I'm like two thirty, two forty. So I'm like three oh five. I would fucking destroy that thing. Yeah, I might actually just like hop over there with you. I'll make room. Cause this is this is. We can make yeah, I'm, I'm gonna move. Do what you gotta do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit next to my longtime friend. Okay. Just get that bad boy over there, and you know you hang out. You hang out. I'll man. You don't have to tell me I can do what I want to do, Blaine. I'll man the controls over here. We'll be good. We'll have a good time. Yeah, we know what happens when I try and man the controls. <sighs> so I also have a, a full time job <sighs> with Vectron Gas. I work from home, and I kind of just, uh, I kind of do whatever I want, really. It's, I'm one of those guys that just travels the uh, state looking for treasures and working and coming back to Lafayette just to fucking teach. That's the only reason I come back to Lafayette. I actually enjoy uh, driving in Indianapolis better than Lafayette nowadays. Really? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. With all the construction and shit that's going on in Lafayette, I honestly feel like it's easier to navigate Indianapolis than it is Lafayette at this point. That's fine. Remember, remember when we were in high school and I would jump in your bed and snuggle with you? Yeah, I remember in the, that. In the early morning hours. I still think about it every day. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> I thought he was gonna jump in bed and snuggle with me the other day. You don't do that to anybody else. There's a special bond pact in mm-hmm. writing. No, you can't instead, break it. I thought he was gonna do that. Instead, he, I hear, "Wake the fuck up!" And then I said, your dick's not hanging out, is it? And you're like, huh? Huh? Podfather Nate. He's he's sending love. Dudes. He's, he's actually Podmaster now. Oh, yeah, he is Podmaster. Nate, please explain that at some point via chat on a podcast. Who's Do it. Podmaster? Does that mean... I don't know. The Don of podcasts? Pod Don. Pod Don. (laughs) I I noticed you guys are like part of like a conspiracy of podcasts all put together. Trying to take over the world or something like that? Maybe. Honestly. Maybe we're the Um, Illuminati. Maybe maybe not. And one's like comic books. I don't know. I I honestly don't know the premise of your guys' show other than like like pop culture maybe uh we just the premise of the, of our of our show specifically podcastrophe is mm-hmm. just we fuck off okay we, yeah we fuck off you can fuck off 
Because somebody asked me that. I'm like, I think it's like pop culture because you guys talk about the movies that come out all the we, time. We or? basically just talk about whatever the hell that we want to talk about. We talk about music yeah. and video games a little bit. We talk about uh, the the movie industry and pop culture quite a bit. Uh, we he, talk about, he goes on rants about I go on whatever. rants about politics and religion and uh, science. You know, I, I always try and bring a little bit of science-y type stuff. You know, we, we've uh, tried to delve into our own personal philosophies a little bit throughout the course of the time sounds, that I've been on the show. Pretty deep. I mean, the, the whole, the whole purpose of this show is, you know, just sit and chat, have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, connect okay. via this medium of just talking. Cause we're just, we're just regular people. Yeah. And we both, well, I like to talk more than he does. And you know that, you know, I like to talk. I like to chime. Yeah. He likes to chime. I like to chime. Chime. I like to chime and do all this shit. And you've been doing a lot better job bringing topics, which I'm sure you brought some today. I got a couple. Yeah, lay them on us. Well, the thing that sucks is, like, most of them only pertain to you. That's fine. Clint likes <laughs> to talk, too. So, we... Okay, so, just to start, um, Bruise with Dudes did their first live podcast the other day. I didn't really watch it. I listened to the show, but I didn't get to watch it. I don't... I, I've been so busy here lately with... Uh, being an, an old college student again and uh, just adulthood, and then I've been working a lot of overtime. I haven't had time to listen to anything. Yeah, you know, right. Skylar and I barely had time to come over here and attempt to do our the live stream that we did last week. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it, it's just gonna the, as the summer goes on, I'll have a lot more time in the winter, and I kind of want to do a PSA for. Uh, podcastrophy as far as the next year down the road my class schedule is going to change about every other year so next year we'll probably go back to Wednesdays for our live streams because I'll probably have class on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, which is unfortunate because I would like to keep a day locked down but yeah it if, is what it is if people want to hear me talk you know that that's okay because you know uh, we might get, have a different audience on a different day. Like, right. We might be getting different people besides Jennifer today. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, a new audience. Yeah, I mean, we, we I mean, we already have a new audience because you're here because you shared it. Mm-hmm. So we got new people coming in. Oh, nice. But All my uh, friends on the Facebook world. Yeah. So changing days, there are different people available different days. So, right. And which is another thing. We're going to try to stream and do more shows more often because, like I said, you can hit different audiences. Mm-hmm. You can hit different people on different days. Well, and, and you and I have talked about doing a music, like strictly music-based version of our show. That's obviously more up your alley. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of music, but I'm pretty musically retarded. Do two podcasts. You know, we we went to Ooh. Sweetwater this past weekend. Yeah, that had a, was had one a really of my good, topics. Had a really good trip. Um, yeah, well, we might as well just break into that. Yeah, one. go for it. So uh, Blaine and myself and uh, former guest and landlord Joe, uh, we went to Sweetwater uh, this past Sunday. Had a nice trip up to Fort Wayne. Traffic wasn't really bad. You know, we didn't really have any issues going up or coming back. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with Sweetwater uh, display, I guess. Yeah. The amount of stuff that they have available to you is no one compares. But when you want to look at something and actually, you know, something that's tactile, like, oh, I like this shock mount, or, man, like, so 
I don't know if if anyone listening can tell, but I recently upgraded to a Rode Procaster. Yeah. It's, it's a it is my own upgrade to the microphone that I used to use. It's comparable to the mic that Clint's using right now and the mic that Blaine's using right now. You're listening to the Voice of Survival Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Nate Phillips. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Voice of Survival Podcast. As the introduction said, I am your host, Nate. Episode 24 is here, and I have a very special guest joining us via Skype all the way from Michigan. Welcome, Mara Powell. How are you? Did I say that right? Yes, you did. It's Hi. Mara, not Mara. Yeah, you okay. got it right. Excellent. I don't I don't mind Mara. The only uh, real, I guess, problem I have is people call me Maria. Ew. I don't know how you draw that. Obviously no I in here. But. Yeah, there's not, an I, there's not an I at all. No. <laughs> so for our listeners who don't know how our journeys are at all interconnected, because it, it's definitely like, uh, wait, how does he know this person? So uh, you actually be like started following our band on Instagram probably like a year and a half ago, I would say. Yeah, and, probably a year and a half too. Yeah, and, sounds right. And you were like championing us to end up in Detroit because that's kind of like where you're from or in that area. So mm-hmm. we were trying to constantly get into the Detroit scene, and it's difficult. It's not something you just – you have to know somebody, essentially. We met this guy, mm-hmm. Tim Harrison. He's a great fella. He actually booked us in Detroit, and you guys came and saw us. And it was actually like really cool to have people there that we'd never officially met, or we, we just kind of like had some of this Instagram interaction, as it were. Right. Right. Uh, but it was like definitely a surreal experience for us there. So we met you then, and we've kind of been Facebook friends ever since, and and just kind of like I've I've followed your journey and whatnot. So that's how we met. What did you take away from that first like the first experience seeing our band live and whatnot? Uh, was there anything you took away from that evening? I guess is where I'll start. Well, I, I mean, first off, I just want to say you guys like me and my friends had such a blast. We had so much fun. Uh, watching you guys play it was a weird night the night before or the 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 whole night leading up to it i guess um definitely it, <laughs> but uh i mean you 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 guys came up to me and said hi and gave me the sticker and i i thought that it was real cool of you to do that and that you recognized me too from instagram and just yeah, we had so much fun. And I mean, piano misfits, how can you go wrong? That was just Well, I'm, like I said, a blast. Oh, I'm glad we made a lasting impression. Uh, of course. But it's interesting because to kind of fast forward and we're going to kind of um Tarantino this a little bit cuz I'm going to kind of mm-hmm. say what you're currently doing in your world cuz this is what mm-hmm. drew me in. I'm like scrolling Facebook a couple weeks ago. And you posted something that I never connected the dots. It's like sometimes I see things on Facebook and I don't really dive in super deep or think about them. But you were talking about being an independent filmmaker. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I saw those words, I was like, I need to know her story. Let's make this happen. So (laughs) let's start at the very beginning. Are you born and raised in Detroit in that area? Is this where you're from? Have you moved around? Um, no, I, I, I was born in Detroit, and I'm, I'm still here. I'm in a suburb right now, but, yeah, I've, I've been here my whole life. 
Excellent. What was growing up in Detroit like? Because, you know, honestly, you look at the way that the auto industry and everything that, like, people typically, I think, and I'm sure you also get this, there's a great misconception about Detroit that it's like a really fucking dangerous place to be all the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that when we were there, honestly. Like, I, I know we were in, like, technically Ferndale, but... It didn't yeah, seem very different vibe in Ferndale, I will say, than when you get downtown. Um, and it's and it has changed over the years. Uh, we have, you know, a lot. The gentrification obviously kind of changed things. That's happened over the past decade. Um, I now I didn't grow up in the city. I'm in the suburbs, so there's that. I mean, I guess it depends on what area you're from. Okay. Some areas are rougher than others. Totally. So growing up in the suburb of Detroit, what drew you into like being a creator? Were you always a creator at a very young age? Is it kind of like what you did to escape your surroundings was to get into? Because I'm guessing that you didn't just like at the age of three go, I'm going to be an independent filmmaker. Like you, there were obviously some decisions that had to lead us there. So what was like the first I mean- thing you got into? I mean, it's complex because I do remember being, you know, that age and becoming a film fan for the first time. From the fir- you know, first things I was exposed to, my parents were huge movie fans. So we always were renting stuff. Like my, my mom was one of the first people I ever knew who had a net- Netflix when they would send out the DVDs. Excellent. And we would get like five at a time. And everyone, that was just like wild. That was back in like 2000, I think, whenever Netflix first started. Yeah. So we've always been, a, you know, a movie family. And it's, I kind of feel like on some level, even at that young age, like I'm five watching you know, Labyrinth over and over again. And, How- I, and I knew at that point, on some level, I wanted to make movies. Okay, so... This this interview is set in stone that it was something that was meant to happen. And it's interesting because it's Friday the 13th, and I promise I'm not like going to tangent too far away, but of all the movies for you to bring up, Labyrinth, I literally watched yesterday. Oh, my goodness. So uh, it's very crazy. <laughs> Veronica's son, Oliver, loves Labyrinth, and he's been like wanting to get dressed up and have his makeup done like David Bowie. At the age oh, of four yeah. and a half, and it's amazing. And he like kind of knows the words and the dances already. And I'm like, what is going on? This is insane. Yeah. I've never seen a little person act like that. That's crazy. But Labyrinth. So I feel like within this all-encompassing question, was that the first movie that really drew you into loving film? Is that the first one that really resonates in your memory as the thing that changed you? Or do you have others that are kind of also responsible for, for your journey, I guess? Um, it's one of the it's one of the big ones. I would say another one would be Sleeping Beauty, even though it's uh, animated. Still, that the the mood of that and the aesthetic is very cinematic, um, and I really responded to that when I was young. And then The Lost Boys was another one. I would say those are the top three that like when I would think about, you know. Um, Really getting into it for the first time. You and, start and, to dissect movies a little bit more than just watching them and going, okay, that was great. Like you're starting to look at how they do their effects and probably getting into like, wait, how did yes. they even make that movie magic happen? Yes. And yeah. you wanted to pull, I'm guessing, the veneer back and say, okay, let's really like figure this out. 
So mm-hmm. obviously at five and six, you're probably not like getting behind a camcorder and, and shooting a lot of things. Um, were there other parts of this along the way? Did you like get into art? I mean, being into film, I feel like you can almost open up any avenue music. There's, there's a lot of different things that can draw you through being a filmmaker. Yeah, I think, I think I started probably like writing stories when I was very young. Um, when I was in high school, I did photography. I, the filmmaking, by the time I had got to high school, it was when I was really like, this is what I want to do. But I didn't have really any anything to do it with. I didn't have a camera or any anything. You had all so, the drive and none of the means, as it were. Exactly. So a lot of it was, I, I wrote a lot and I, I did photography. Um, I, when I, right out of high school, I did go to a film school that they, we have here in, in Michigan called the uh, Motion Picture Institute of Michigan. But I, I don't know what happened. I guess I, I, I didn't quite, it wasn't the quite experience I was looking for. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, I'm guessing you probably went there and you maybe had some expectations of how things would be taught to you and it would be a little bit more hands-on. And again, I, I've never went there, but um, it's a film school, so I can only assume it was a lot more textbook. You're reading a lot. You're like just learning through reading in books. Is that is that accurate to your experience? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, it was it was like that. Um when it came time to do some some practical work, it I I guess I didn't feel as um I didn't feel like I really had a quite what I should have had at that point to be able to really do what I needed to do. I and mean, I don't know if it was if it was the school's fault or my own. It's just what was happening in my own life at that time. But um, I just for whatever whatever reason I wasn't really prepared to do to do what I had to do. Um, okay. So it took it took a while after that for me to, I guess, realize that no, this is really what I want to do and I have to do it. It's oh. it was one of those things where I think I was maybe I was too scared to go through with it, thought it was going to be too much work or was going to um, somehow make me face some rejection or something. But as I had more life experience and got older, you just kind of, the fear of not doing is becomes greater than the fear of actually anything that could happen from doing. Cause like so, the worst that happens from trying it is failure, which is the almost the same in the same vein of like not doing it at all. So why not just do it and see what happens? Cause what if you exactly. succeed is the better question. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's the eternal optimist in me, but I'm always looking at the like, okay, we can turn any negative into a positive. We just have to like look at the perspective of the whole thing and what can we change and what can we do differently? So uh, I want to go back a little bit here where you know, we're starting to get closer into like that, that, you know, your attempt at college and learning at a greater level but I want to peel this back a little bit more to like the family side of things. You said your mom, mm-hmm. you said your dad. Are you an only child? Um, no, I have a sister as well. Excellent. Younger sister. A younger sister. Uh, so how did how did she and you grow? How was growing up with a younger sibling like that? Oh, I loved it. Excellent. It you guys like, are best friends. 
yeah, I, when my when my mom and dad said you're going to have a little sister, I was like, great, I have a friend. I have a captive friend. Built-in friend. To, yeah, and someone to, well, it's, it's funny that you mention it because when she was a very, very small baby and I was like five, um, around that time of getting into, really getting into movies and stuff, I would always kind of create little stories and little shows and like, and perform them for her. That's awesome. And she was my first, she cracked up and loved it. So she was my first audience to where I was like, okay. <clears throat> so you had a little bit of a performing bug in you too, actually. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. So then growing up, did you go through like school theater and stuff? Did you do any of those things? No, I didn't actually. I, in, in middle school, I had tried out for a couple plays and I, I never made it and I got very discouraged and never tried again. Okay. Uh, it's it's hard, especially at a young age, to face any kind of rejection or like yeah. – and, and it's, it's interesting because I don't remember what podcast I was listening to. That becomes a real legit problem in my life. You hear so many different people saying things that you don't remember where it comes from. Um, but they were talking about being rejected and – oh, it was – I was listening to Talking Tunes uh, with Rob Paulson. He's a voice and uh, actor. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know him. Uh, I, he did Pinky, I think, from Pinky in the Brain. So, mm-hmm. uh, he was talking about rejection, and he said instead of just like being down on himself and giving up, he would call places and be like, "Well, why didn't you pick me?" And he's like, "I know, typically you don't do that. Like, you shouldn't go ask that question. Most people find that unprofessional." Yeah. But he said what he would find is more times than not, they were like, "You're actually better than what we need." Like, and, and, wow. and, and you're wasting your time with us. You could be getting bigger jobs. You could be doing more. And that inspired him to go, oh, well, it's not always when you're being rejected. It's not always about you being rejected. Sometimes you're being rejected because you're better than what you expect. So, wow. again, it's that whole, again, you look at the change of the perspective. So, back to doing movies. What's the first film? When did you, like, attempt it for the first time? Well, the first time I attempted it was when I was going to MPI. Um, I had shot one scene, and it was a disaster of a day because the location I was uh, had locked down. I, there was miscommunication, and when I got there, they didn't. They weren't expecting me, and they weren't going to let me in. And I had to pretty much. I had to call everyone and cancel. Oh no. And couple of the uh the peop- the crew I had with me and one of the actors who was with me was like let's let's do this one other scene just so we have something in the can and we did that was the only thing that ever got shot and um yeah it was a, it, that was a big disappointment and that was a discouraging day so I think that was something else that kind of made me not pursue this for a while okay so how long is the gap you you said that you did you don't pursue this for a while uh, the way that kind of sounds to me, you left the college to do film and you kind of just said to the wind with my dreams for a bit and went to do yeah. other things. Yeah, I did. I did. It had been, um, well, this was in, I went to MPI in 2001. Okay. So, yeah, I started uh, working seriously on the short that I did last year about a maybe two years ago at this point. So 15 years I did. A, I, I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in library and information science. And I became uh, an archivist and I've been doing that for a while. And 
That's oh what gosh. I was like. Once I was in, you know, done with getting my master's degree, I started thinking like, okay, now, now what? And I just, the movie that I was trying to shoot back in 2001 just was just, just pounding me in the head. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. And welcome to another episode of Brews with Dudes. This is episode 39. Oh, damn. I believe we're getting up there. What the hell are you saying? Entertain me while I'm waiting at work. Ben Rose, I'll entertain you, but it's going to cost you. Touches. I'm sitting here with Dr. Dongo yet again. What's up? And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty. Very thirsty. I feel like we've been jacking around trying to get this to work for <laughs> 20 minutes too long. So uh, let's dive right on in. What do you got there? Uh, I, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but uh, it's the Mad Anthony Strawberry Milkshake IPA. Oh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope this isn't flat. It'll probably be good one way or another. Forgive my poor. Thank you for the uh, happy birthday, Ben. How are things going at the the old skate shop? Good, I hope. When are you going to book my band down there again? Up there. Everything's down there. Everything. Even if it's north. Or west or east. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going on down there. (laughs) Yeah, like, whenever I go over to my mom's, I always say, yeah, I'm going to go up to my mom. Oh, over? Over to my mom's. I've gotten a lot better about saying over. Going up to my mom's. All right, shall we dive in? Let's do it. Cheers. Mm, Smells great. Oh, yeah. That's still good. Still very good. That's still super smooth. Mm. He was a little scared because it's, it's had it for a couple of days in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I was very excited. I, I, I tasted it. And I was like, do you have this to go? And they're like, we can give you a growler. I'm like, okay. I'm going to need that. <laughs> I'm going to need this one is, of this. This is the first growler I've ever bought. Oh, wow. That good, huh? Mm-hmm. I would agree. We were just up at. Matt Anthony's last week. Oh, Back yeah. Back to our show. I think we've already talked about that. Though. I want, anyway. I wanted to go to that. It was fun. This is fantastic. It's creamy. What's up, Pie Daddy? Oh, shit. What up? Pod Daddy Nate. He is now Pod Master. Is he? <laughs> As he proclaimed on my feed last night. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's like, pod pod master. Master. or maybe Tyler said it. I can't, one of them said it, and I was like, hmm. We were just talking about how you have too many nicknames. <laughs> has a new one every... What was it? Duck Blaine Tyner? <laughs> <laughs> Sick Blaine Tyner. Sick Blaine Tyner. Rad. I'm really bad at typing. <laughs> really bad at the typing thing. Uh, what can you tell me about this IPA that I brought? <laughs> um, it's got it's very hazy. Mm-hmm. 
It's is it strawberry. Yeah. It's super smooth. It's crushable. Yes. I could I could drink that whole growler. Take a hammer, smash out the bottom of it. <laughs> Just let it pour onto your face and yeah. <laughs> absorb it into your skin. Like, ugh. Did you see the video of the guy standing on his roof and he smokes a big joint and then he flies off his roof and then he, <laughs> then he pours mustard in his eyes. No. And then, and then he... And then he Pours a pitcher of beer over his face to get the mustard <laughs> off. Nick, what are you watching? <laughs> internet stuff. <laughs> Just internet stuff and things. What do we got? It's been good. Had a Japanese hardcore band called Sand. Sand Band. Oh, man. See, that's the problem is like why I wanted to have the other screen so I could see what people are saying. Doesn't want to give us that luxury. Nope. We're working on it. Tech department. Yeah. What can you do? Production crew is rather lacking today. Yeah, not as bad as the R and D department. Mr. Mr. Heritage himself chiming in. Zachary Zach Davidson. Zach Davidson. You know. Zach Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing a beer groups, Nate. What a man. May the forest be with you, too. May the forest be with you, sir. <laughs> I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. What was his name? Donnie Wu? Donnie Yen? I don't know. Something. I just... The two, like, most generic la- Asian last names I yeah. can... Yeah. Wu Yen. <laughs> Damn it. Man, Zach snagged up. So at Angel Vivaldi the other night, he snagged up the last tank top for you. Yes, he did. I I went out there. I gave him shit. And he's like, well, I got it for Nick. And I'm like, okay, worthy. And I tried looking on his website to snag one for myself. It's not there. Yeah. (laughs) It's not there. I'm stoked. Oh. Ben. Ben, are you going to be at that uh, uh, Axios Firewatch Miles from Exile show on Friday? I'm trying to decide if I want to go. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, this is insanely smooth. Like, Maybe it's because it's been sitting for a couple days and it, it doesn't have as much carbonation. Makes it easier going. Oh, out. yeah, like it does not burn... It's got no burn, carbonation burn. It's way, it's it's way too good. The other day, yesterday actually, I think Boston brought over the howler he got of pineapple tart. Yeah, I've had a hangover all day. <clears throat> from is that from Matt Anthony or? It's from Matt Anthony. Okay, yeah. I had the worst hangover all day. It's like five in the afternoon. He's finally like, dude, why don't we just think of this, man? Just drink it. Pineapple and beer. It's gonna make you feel great. I kid you not. I took. Oh two. wait, I think I had. I tried. Uh, Tyler got that as part of his flight. Oh my god, it's straight pineapple juice. It was like but just I took two <laughs> big gulps, and I could feel just pounds of pressure come off my brain. Oh yeah, I was like, that's it. That's 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 the spot right there. Why didn't I think of? Oh that? yeah, Tyler had me try that, and I'm like, what the fuck? This is pineapple juice. Like just straight pineapple juice. It's so delicious. They had the raspberry one too. I think a raspberry Ooh. wheat. I didn't try that one. I don't think. What did I, we get? Oh, we got the scotch eggs. 
Scott, we gotta get Scotch yeah, eggs. You, you've been all about those Scotch eggs lately. Dude, <laughs> they never get old. I ate a Scotch egg at the vault. <laughs> I know. I watched you pull it out of your fanny pack. <laughs> I got I got sucked into a conversation there with Mr. Matt Clark. Is that who that was? I, I couldn't get away. We couldn't figure out who it was. Right? We recognized it's... him, but we couldn't put our finger on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I was uh, Kyle Hostetter was there with him. He's he was my second replacement when I was for Drench. Uh. Uh, I I replaced their old singer and him, and then he their old singer replaced me. And then he replaced their old singer. <laughs> they had the worst luck <laughs> with singers. They never got it. They, they never did. They <laughs> did one show with their old singer. Uh, they did awesome. He, however, no. Did not. Uh, which bummed me out because I, I really wanted to see them succeed. Somehow you weren't good enough. <laughs> I was not. That's why I left. <laughs> I was like, I'm dragging you guys down. Bye. Uh, love those guys. Mm-hmm. Alan. Hey, buddy, get that it was, together. Saturday night was fun. It was. It started out at Brokerage, which I had never been there before. It was fantastic. We had, we said we weren't going to get very drunk, <laughs> and then we had like four drinks. Well, if Pilot hadn't showed up so late. <laughs> yeah, we were like almost done, and then Pilot walked in. He's like, hey, all right, like, I guess okay. we're drinking some more. Which I was completely okay with, because like, I didn't get to uh, have one for myself, but... Miranda, she got one of their their um, strawberry ciders. Oh man, talk about good! It was it was really good actually. And then I had their, uh, I tried a bunch of their beers, but the one that stuck out the most was their uh, New England. Was it a double? It was a double. It was eight percent, I think. Ooh, it was so good. I had that one. I had the English pale, and then I had the hazy pale. I think that's what it was. And then finished off Jess's drink because she didn't want. That cider you spoke of. Well, she just didn't need the whole pint. Yeah. That, that's, that's, Miranda said she wasn't gonna, or said she was gonna just get a pint and give me the rest, and then we ended up staying longer, so she just, she just finished it off. Got some LBC. Oh, yeah, that, those, chi- I got chicken fingers. Oh, man. And those got, were so good. I got the chicken biscuits gravy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And... Scotch eggs. Scotch eggs. <laughs> All right. Smash that. Shall we dive into another one? Yeah, what you got? If you reach into the cooler over there, we can try that Belgian triple. You can pick any of those ones on the bottom. No, other side. Like, in the front. That says people's. I don't want that. Okay. The one... That one's from 18th Street, and the one on the far left, I believe, before where the cans are. That's one that Mr. Voigt got me. Do you want this one? We can. Let's do it. Quadruple ale. Ooh, I thought it was a triple. Oh, shit, we got Jake Quintanilla. Quintanilla. I never know how to say your Welcome, last name. Daddy. Your memes are fire. You are fire. We've discussed this at length before, but I gotta say it to the world. The memes are fire. Alright, maybe we can get us to do a nice pop. Ooh. 
Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Hell yeah. Oh, no. He says that looks deadly. <laughs> You've created a monster. Uh, started, started exploding. Share the memes for the people. <laughs> yeah, I got myself a heady boy. This is definitely an ass kicky boy. Oh yeah, I can I can smell it. <laughs> God damn! That might be enough for now. <laughs> we, we might not drink this whole thing right now. Ugh. We're in trouble with this one. <laughs> I just sniffed it, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's it's a beefy boy. Let's see what we got here. How old is it? We'll see. The sixth glass quadruple ale. Um, Boulevard Brewing Company, Kansas City, Missouri, ten point five percent. Let's see what we got. Do you know what dwells in a glass? Asks Ole. In Hans Christian Andersen's *The Watchman of the Tower*, better known for stories such as *The Little Mermaid*, Andersen wrote this short cautionary tale for a somewhat older audience. Our quadruple ale, also meant for the mature connoisseur, is a deep and mysterious libation, dark auburn and full-bodied, its sweetness deceptive. As Ole described the glasses in turn, their contents became more ominous until in the sixth glass. Great. Yeah. The head has dissipated a bit. This one's gonna be one for the for the ages. Oh yeah. Wow. It's much sweeter than I thought it would be. Yeah, really smooth. I think because that's all the carbonation right there. <laughs> yeah. That's it's just, and you know, like I didn't get any of that foam. No. It just went right underneath it and straight into my mouth. Not bad. Don't be scared. Drink it all. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> I got podcasts to mix. I can't do that. I've, I've done it drunk. <laughs> I have. I've, I've done it drunk. <laughs> I've been sitting there with my uh, laptop trying to figure out how to send podcasts because I'm so <laughs> wasted from the episode. I'm like, oh. This is very powerful. It's got a little bit caramel back taste. Yeah, that's what I was getting. Hmm. It sit. It sits really light on your palate. In terms of mouthfeel, there's something about it. As much as I love the word mouthfeel. Ooh. There's something about it that I'm not, uh, my palate's not got over yet. Hmm. I don't know. It's tasty, though. Indeed. What we got there? Golden Monkey. Ah, uh, sounds familiar. I don't know if I've had it, though. You say this is from, uh, Kansas City? Yes. Sweet. I, I, that is a place I like to go to, actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a short drive from here. It's like only five hours. 
and uh in terms of like far drives it's it's short <laughs> and uh like my dad and I we typically go every so often for uh baseball games hmm. and it'd be cool like last time I went I didn't drink I didn't I didn't know how to drink pretty sure I was 21 but I just I just didn't drink how far were you into your journey into beer at that point? I think by that point, I was one tequila shot in <laughs> a few months prior. Oh. <laughs> I think St. Patty's Day, St. Patty's Day 2012 was my very first drink. Damn. And it was just a tequila shot. 